Hello and welcome to the Gig Stories podcast, as always, with your wonderful hosts, or wonderful host, Chris Payne, and then me, the sidekick. (laughs) Sidekick? Are you the sidekick? Yeah, I am. I am the sidekick. Now, for those of you who have listened from the beginning and have listened to every episode, it's it's massive. I mean, it goes viral after every episode. People want to know which room in the house is Chris in today. (laughs) <laughs> and and he's in i think what room position i want to say room because some of them have been rooms some of them have just been chained to radiators under duvets uh, uh, and today you're in your son's room yeah yeah i'm uh, i'm surrounded by guitars and uh, dressing gowns and yeah guitars dressing gowns and marvel <laughs> This, this is so glamorous, isn't it? I've, I've not had the conversation of podcasting because everyone can podcast. Is podcast show business? Because they say show business is glamorous. And I look at our Zoom screen, Chris, and I'm in my bedroom. You're in your son's bedroom. I'm not sure there's anything glamorous about this podcast, is there? No, but as I've said before, we keep it real. We are grassroots here. We're grassroots. We're not. We're not the Premiership. We know that. But we know that. We're not the Premier League. We don't. But but is that what we aspire to? Uh, well, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ain't gonna lie. However, our guests they definitely are glamorous and Premier League. Yeah. And and today's is is absolutely glamorous and Premier League guest. But more of that in a bit come on let's talk uh, gig news my gig news is absolutely nothing because for the first time in a while i've had almost two weeks of not going to a gig can you imagine can you imagine it well actually no i can't <laughs> <laughs> at the moment no um again but i'm, I'm still i've got well we both might have one next week and at the moment that's a little bit secret, so a listener will tell you about that um, on the next episode. But there's a, a, an exciting one on Monday night, and I won't spoil it for Chris just in, in case. Um, but my my next planned one is Little Sims in the Albert Hall, and this middle-aged white man is getting ready to <laughs> get wow. down with Little Sims. <laughs> I I honestly I can't wait. I have I'm looking forward to this so much. Her her albums and this new album is just incredible so yeah that's my next uh dated one but you mister have been out shooting dancing swinging your pants haven't you well i don't know about dancing i don't i i don't dance i don't well, dance. shoot that's... and swing your pants yeah yeah I, yeah i mean there's I, I bust out the odd mc hammer move when i have to you know, I, I wonder what you were going to say there. I uh, bust out the old hip joint <laughs> now and again. Yeah. I did wonder. I did wonder. I've given you a nice segue there, a bit of hip dancing, to your gig the other night, of which I was very, very jealous of. Oh, sorry, which one? Which one? Oh, which one? <laughs> shut up, shut up. Out of the ones you went to, you know the one I'm on about. What a front man. What a mover, groover. Still has the same haircut. Ah, oh, honestly, I was thinking, uh, so I, I went to Suede at Victoria Warehouse. There it is, Brett Anderson. And honestly, he started the gig at 100 miles an hour. Uh, I mean, he was drenched oh, by the really? third tune. Honestly, he was just incredible. I, I, what did abs- they come on to? 
uh, oh god, um, trash. I think. No. Let, let, yeah. Let me just double Wowzers. check. I'm gonna. I'm gonna check the the set list here. Uh, um, was it no frills? Lights down. Bam. There. There. Into trash. It started with trash, then film star, then lazy. So Wowzers. they were the three tunes that I that I photographed, and oh my god, they were fantastic. And um, one of those gigs where um, feel a bit guilty for the rest of the band because the the rest of the band are, are great, but it's all about Brett. You know, say say what you really mean. Well, say what you really mean. They're no, all cause... old codgers. The rest of the band are all old codgers, and Brett somehow manages to still be 21 and swing well, his hips. I will get on to the rest of the band in a second. But yeah, he <laughs> yeah. he he was just just incredible and an absolute gift for a photographer. So I mentioned to you earlier in the week that I'd I'd never photographed them. So they were another one of the, these bands that I, I really wanted to to, yeah. to snap. Um but also I've I've only seen them once. I can't believe that, but I, I've only seen them once. In your lifetime. In in my life. In my what? life, yeah. Once in your life, yeah. Wow, I, okay. Yeah, and I just checked the. Uh, I, ch- I checked my um my my book, my big black book, <laughs> and um. It Did was you just... check your Excel spreadsheet? No, no, I didn't have time for that, Alex. I just went straight to the book. Um, and... we'll we'll refer back to that one later, listener. <laughs> yeah, so it was December '94 that I saw them, and so when I when I mentioned Ooh, okay. That, mentioned to you about me seeing them way back and you said um was bernard butler with them at that point and i was like do you know what i don't think he was because i think around about that time or very soon after um mccalmont and butler were a thing and so i i just i've been thinking about that since and thinking it's it's really odd that Bernard Butler is still absolutely intrinsically associated yes. with Suede, and yet he's not been a part of the band for twenty seven years. Good maths. Um, yeah, twenty seven years, and so I, I just I refreshed my memory about what happened, and um, checking out um, you know what what the the timings were and all that kind of stuff and so when he left in 94 Richard Oakes took his place do you remember this Richard Oakes took his place and he was 17 and the way that he got the gig was he sent a, a you know like an audition tape to the fan club to the suede fan club he was living in Dorset or something like that um, seven, right. and then um, uh, Simon Gilbert, the drummer, he heard it and thought it was an early suede demo that he'd sent in. So they thought he, his his playing was so close to Bernard Butler's, so they got him in and um, and auditioned him, and then auditioned him again, and then he got the gig. And you know, by September or October, he was out on tour with them. And you know has been part of the band for the last twenty seven years, but just you know the balls to just send send a demo tape going. Oh, I hear that you're looking for a guitarist. What about me? I'm still at school. It's but bizarre that, um, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah, fair play. That was uh, I, I'd forgotten, and I, I remember reading at the time that a seventeen year old had gone uh, 
yeah, I'll I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that he was very very young, but I yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, I'd forgotten that that was that was what he did. Yeah, I mean that's seventeen. That's the way to do it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that reminds me of you know Clint's Clint Boone, previous guest, his stories of picking up Craig, their drummer yeah, from school, from school. <laughs> yeah. you know, and going to gigs. Oh, I love that. I love yeah. that. So they were absolutely fantastic then were they suede they were fantastic and i've been to victoria warehouse a few times for gigs all photographing so i, I photographed the six music festival um, which i think was one of the first times it was used as a as a venue so that was yeah. way back in 2013 2014 okay um and so uh, I've, I've seen a couple of other kind of um uh not not headline gigs so um there was the there was a, a kind of celebration of british music that was on i think you might have been there or no there was a whiskey sessions that was oh, it. that's the whiskey sessions that's what yeah I was so turing breaks were playing there and badly drawn boy and um uh british sea power i want to say i think they might have played you can um, say what you want yeah and then the other one was a celebration of british music so there was um Black Grape and Primal Scream and Reverend and the Makers and um, so, and I I think a lot of people have said about Victoria Warehouse. Yeah, it's a great venue. In fact, a couple of guests I think have have mentioned. Yeah, so it, it the sounds not fantastic, but the sounds not very good in there. The sound was great. The sound was really good. Um, I I've not had bad i've not experienced bad sound in the warehouse i've seen shed seven supergrass sam fender yeah uh, the whiskey sessions i i it's always been good sound when i've been there yeah yeah well i was preparing myself because i'd heard it so many times and also it yeah. hadn't it had been a while since i'd been there um before i uh, since i uh, i heard anything in there and thought oh god is it going to be a bit dodgy Absolutely i like not. it as a venue it was great i like it it was good. It was it was really good and had great. Uh, I mean, it was it was a, a big operation. You know, it was um, I I remember it being a lot easier to get into a few, a few years ago. Um, but <laughs> yes. um, but the the security staff were fantastic and yeah, nothing but praise for Victoria Warehouse. So yeah, looking forward to Love going it. back again. Really um, good. And um, what age was the youngest person you saw? Um, I ain't gonna lie. It was it was. I wouldn't say elderly. I don't think the, <laughs> but the average age was probably about my age. So around about 27. 50, 58. <laughs> yeah. See, I went down, you went up. It's um, so predictable. Oh, but the so other thing was I, I got there because it took a while to get in. I on, I just missed photographing the support and, um, Who was it? pretty Amy gutted. Winehouse. Ill'd Amy Winehouse. Enough. enough. It was Amy Winehouse on it. Come on. Uh, Nadine Shah, oh, she was brilliant. She was so good. I know, and I, I got there. Didn't get to shoot her. No, and and she was so compelling, and her voice was so good, and reminded me of a kind of there's a real Susie Sue vibe, yeah, um, to her her vocals, and um, but yeah, I loved it. So I'm definitely not going to miss her again. Um, She's she is incredible. I love Nadine Shah. Yeah. One of one of one of the best at the moment, I think. Yeah, it was uh, just live, really fresh. Live, she's incredible. Yeah, I I loved it. Really loved it. So yeah, like I say, I'm I'm 
not going to miss her again. That um, I can't believe I've not seen her until now, to be honest. I, I can't That's... believe you didn't get there in time to shoot her. Shame on you, Christopher Payne. Shame on you. We had delays at Cornbrook. That's right. all I can say. We, mate, we all have, I don't know, delays at Cornbrook or rashes on our whatever, you know, but we've just got to get through it, haven't we? We've just got Cornbrook. to get through it. P- Pomona had a rash. <laughs> oh, not again. Oh, yeah. crash. Oh, sorry. Oh, Pomona had a rash. Anyway, moving on to today's episode. Oh, no. Not... Uh, no, no, we're not. No, we're not doing that. Oh, gosh. I haven't told uh, you about the other gig. <laughs> You've been to another gig of you, Christopher? Yeah, the, the, the night before that, I went oh, to Gorilla yeah. and friend of the podcast, a oh my gosh, guest, yes. Ren Harview. Oh. It just baffles me how this woman should be playing arenas. She shouldn't because I wouldn't want to see her in an arena. But if it, listener, if you have not heard our episode with Ren, go back and listen. And if by some chance you're not familiar with her music, get on to whatever you listen to your music on now. She is incredible. And I bet she was exactly the same the other night in Gorilla. Was she perfect she setting was. as well? She was perfect setting. Um, actually, I felt like Gorilla, it, it, it would have almost been better if Gorilla was slightly bigger and everyone was at kind of a cabaret seating, you know, all around tables, almost like a jazz club. I mean, the the warm-up before she came on, the music, I don't know if she chose the music or the venue chose the music, but it was absolutely perfect because they were playing um, kind of 1950s, 60s jazz. There was Miles Davis, Birth of the Cool play. She would have chosen um, that. Yeah, I, I would have thought so. Surely. But it really she's so cool, so stylish. Yeah, and um, but it really got you in the mood. The crowd were really warm towards her because you know a real homecoming gig for her. Yeah, um, yeah. and um, yeah, I, I it was it was just knockout, and her voice was just bob on. Yeah, she. I think is this that was the end of her tour, isn't this the end of the tour? No, no, no. She well, the the very next night she was at club. Evo oh, she was in club Evo yeah. Bach in um, So I think she was about four or five gigs in, but she's still got a few a few to go. Oh, get get on the listings and and shame on me for not knowing them and having them to hand. Check her listings, and if you are anywhere nearby. Honestly, go and see her. There's there's yeah. bands that I recommend that I may think, oh, go and see this artist, see what you think. I like them. But with Ren, she's just fantastic. And, and I think everyone should should hear her voice. Now, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, Chris, you have already uploaded some of your shots from uh, the Suede gig and the Ren Harview gig to the Gig Stories website. Is that correct? I have. That is correct. Um, there Thank are more you. of there are more of Suede. I have to say, um, because the lighting was fantastic at Suede, at um, Gorilla, I got quite excited at the start just before Ren came on because the lighting was absolutely beautiful, and I thought, oh, here we go. This is this is going to be great. And then yeah. as soon as they started, it was really dark. And I mean, it, it, suited, <laughs> it suited the mood perfectly. Yeah, that's what she likes. Yeah. Yeah, it suited the mood absolutely perfectly. But as a photographer, you just go, oh, no. And then the most annoying thing as a photographer is you finished your, th- you finished your three songs, 
you kind of go down the back and then as soon as you've finished photographing the light gets absolutely brilliant yeah um, and, <laughs> and that's exactly what happened um so there aren't as many of of wren but um there are a few there and but there yeah. are a couple there that are built in so yeah get on yeah, the websites you. get on the website and and have a look at all because chris is uploading um one's uh, artist bands that are relevant to gig stories but also i'm gonna um force him to put make sure this links to his website so you can see his uh his other work but yeah there's some belters there and you can go and see old brett anderson in his shaky hips yeah yeah absolutely oh also i've just got up the rest of um of ren's gigs so um the this podcast is out on monday the 15th and so on the 15th you can see her in cambridge at the portland arms then next night she's in guildford at the boiler room then next night brighton next night st albans and then 23rd she's at the Clooney in newcastle then 20 oh, great. 23rd she's at the voodoo rooms in edinburgh which is a great venue and then 24th of november she finishes at the wonderful Rudnell social club oh, in, Leeds. in Leeds. So, oh, so there are this dates. There's some opportunities there. So yeah, do get along. Do get yeah. along. And Suede have got some gigs as well, but you know, they'll they'll, they'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. Moving on. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. And <laughs> now I, I always enjoy our chats, but with today's guest, I enjoyed this chat, I think more than ever, because we really get our geek on and it was really like friends chatting about music like it was with Sophie Williams. Mm. Anna Doble is our wonderful guest today. And you, if you are on social media and Twitter, you may have uh, read uh, and seen Anna because she had a wonderful um, experience during lockdown where she listened to all her vinyl. And it's not just four or five bits of vinyl is it Chris no well she she is it's nearly 300 LPs and then when she finished all those LPs she went on to, on to her 12 inch singles <laughs> and then I think she went on to the seven inches as well yeah but she blogged about every single record which is which is and, and she writes in that she writes so well and then when I was so I I came to this late so I came to it after she had completed this whole journey right. I, I keep okay. on calling it a journey um yeah. journey but it is a journey through music and and um i'd like the way that she's kind of put all the different styles and time periods together she's arranged her everyone arranges their records in a particular way whether that's alphabetically or by um genre or by um by you know chronological order or whatever um yes but, but when I was just looking through and reading the, the the little blog posts that she did for each one, I was going, yeah, I want that on vinyl. I want that. Her vinyl collection. It's an incredible is, collection. It's isn't beautiful. It? It's a great collection. And you, we, we've put a link on our social media, but you should really go. She, Anna, by the way, is the digital editor at the BBC World Service. And if you go to Twitter, Anna Doble, Anna, A-N-N-A-D-O-B-L-E. You'll find her there and you'll find links to the blog there as well. But go and follow her because she's fab. But I just really enjoyed it. It was just a great chat. And we talk about 
I mean, she had great first gigs. Um, we talk about Blur and Oasis, but it may be in a slightly different way. Um, and of course, a vinyl. And her beloved Saint Etienne. Exactly. Say, which just again fabulous. And the, the the one thing I really love from this episode, which really put her up there as the perfect gig stories geek, uh, was finding her review that she had written herself as a youngster of a certain gig. And when you listen on, you'll you'll hear more about that. And just so much respect for her. And I love that she uh, that she does that. But the important question is, does she have an Excel spreadsheet of all her gigs? Don't spoil. Don't spoil it, Chris, for them. Do not spoil the answer to that. We are all on tenterhooks waiting to find out if Anna does indeed have an Excel spreadsheet of all her gigs. Who knows? Who knows? And in the words of Chris Payne, maybe we'll never know. <laughs> exactly. So enjoy this episode. Here's Anna Doble. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Gig Stories podcast, as always with Chris and I. And joining us, we have the digital editor of the BBC World Service. Sounds great, that, doesn't it? That's really good. Also, love of music, podcast, tennis, and for her sins, says this Cardiff City fan, Leeds United. Anna Doble, hello, hello, welcome. Hello, hello, Alex. I'm Chris. I can't believe you brought football into this so soon. I'm absolutely bringing it in. It was like one of those crunching tackles at the start of a game. You just, yeah, that, you know, that, make your presence felt. Player would absolutely do. It's got to be said. There's well, not, there's not many teams I dislike more than Liverpool, and there's oh. not. Liverpool are number one, and then number two, Leeds United. I have to. I can, I'm Guess proud. who my other team are? Liverpool. Yeah. My wow. parents, my mum, not that they give a damn about sports or no, to be fair, they're not into football, <laughs> not into football, but mum from Leeds, dad from Liverpool. So you're a half and half scarf. That's, that's Oh, yeah. Lovely. We all love yeah. those. Well, I'm Liverpool. So so Alex is really um, not enjoying himself at the moment. <laughs> no, I'm not jealous of your success. I much prefer playing in the championship against Fulham. That's happening tonight, by the way. Can't Welcome to the Gig Stories podcast. I love music. <laughs> <laughs> so also, now, many, many of our listeners and um, our friends on social media will actually know Anna, I think, from being Anna Lockdown LPs. And for those of you who don't know what that is, I'm going to hand over to Anna because it was something just wonderful during lockdown and a lot of people saw it and Chris and I have, have had chats about it so for, for those of us who don't know tell us about your lockdown LPs Anna. Well I did that thing that a few of us did at the start of the, the first lockdown so we're going right back to March 2020 here aren't we of kind of thinking "Ooh, are we all going to be inside for ages um, what should I do with my time and what's the kind of creative thing I can do that, but brackets, is quite easy. Close brackets, because other people were kind of, you know, 
rebuilding extensions to their homes, <laughs> learning ancient Greek, building pizza ovens. Do you know what I mean? Sourdough was flowing through the, but you know, bags of flour were in short supply. And I was like, I, I, I can't be bothered with all that. <laughs> I, made, I, made, I made elderflower champagne. Get you. I know. Yeah. Get yeah. Me. <laughs> so I just turned over my, over my shoulder in this room that I speak to you from now. And um, I just looked at my records and I've got, um, you probably see them. Um, yes, not loads, we can see not, them. Yeah, not even loads. You know, I, this was the thing I was worried about that proper vinyl nerds out there would be like, that's nothing. That's what I play in a day. So basically, my <laughs> mission to myself was, you know, I love music. Um, you know, like many people, I'm out all the time and I never really sit down with my records and love them enough. So this is the opportunity to sit and play them all. So about 300 LPs um, in that corner. Um, and then I decided to kind of write about each one as I went along. Um, and the other thing is they're, they are, um, they're kept, al they're not alphabetic, they are kept chronologically, which throws people into a right old spin. Ooh, I like that. That would throw me into a spin because my memory's so bad. Because you, Anna, then have to look at that and think, hang on, uh, what year was Jeff Buckley's Grace? And that would catch me out, whereas I would just need to, to go out there. I think if my collection were bigger, it would become a nightmare. But the truth is 300 records I can kind of neatly have in, in sort of, well, what I had was the beginning of time until the 80s. So sort of I have a few, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those well-known LPs recorded by cavemen and women. Yes, um, yes. I know the first, the first things are, are some classical records. I don't have many, but so I think I actually, the first one I played was probably Mozart. And then, so, I, so you get very quickly jumped through kind of hundreds of years in, in, in quick succession. Then I got myself into the 60s, and a fifth bit of 50s, then into the 60s quite quickly, stayed there a while. And then that segment, that square stops at the 80s. And then there's a whole square, understandably, for the 90s a whole square for 90s stroke noughties and then noughties until the present day. So that's kind of how the four areas break down. So if I bought loads more records, the whole scheme would be ruined, no doubt. Do you, do you, still, do you still buy vinyl? I do, yeah, but I, have, I, I, do, I do try and be um, careful about what I buy because of the space issue, but just because I sort of have a rule that everything I own on vinyl needs to be really good. Whereas in the other room, I've got loads of CDs and there's all sorts of, you know, things that I've bought blind over the years and, you know, more random things. Whereas every, L I could kind of just touch the LPs at any random point, pull something out and it would be, a, in, 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 to me, a classic, even if it's not a well-known classic. So that, that's my... I was saying that to Alex, that just looking through and, and, and reading your, your blog, um, yeah, I just want your LP collection. That's, <laughs> that's, that's what I want. Um, it, it's absolutely That's beautiful. That's what I want. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's very kind to say. No, it's lovely. And it, it, it's absolutely me. It's it's me in a record collection as well. It's exactly what I would, if I had a massive amount of money and, and uh, you know, because it, <laughs> uh, and, you know, and just, you know, buying it like a, 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 a Russian oligarch. Um, uh, rather, rather than <laughs> rather than doing all the work, not to get back to the football analogies, but you know, <laughs> rather than doing all the work in terms of you know buying the buying the records as they come out, or you know finding an absolute perler 
in a charity shop or what, which is what I'm assuming you did. You bought them when they came out or you found them um, in a, 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 you know, a brief moment of absolute perfection where it's, you know, and you find an absolute belter in a charity shop. It's, I love that. Yeah. It is heaven. Yeah. But you're, you're right, Chris. I bought, when at the time uh, when I started buying records, which would have been the mid 90s, some things I bought on LP wisely. I wish I'd bought everything, of course, on vinyl because they're the valuable ones. Um, most things I bought on CD, and then later, some things like the sixties and stuff. Of course, that, you know, it's cheaper because it was mass produced. And whisper this, I nicked some of them off my dad. So some of that was um, <laughs> acquired. But um, but yeah, I have. There's a, there's an absolutely amazing secondhand record shop in Camberwell in South London, and I'm allowed to name drop them, give them a plug because they're amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So Rat Records, they're just, and, and the guy in there, some of the guys in there that I've chatted to over the years, they just know my taste and have very kindly kind of tucked things away for me now and again. And I, I did have a kind of an oligarch phase with them where I did spend a lot of money each Saturday. But um, so, so things like Pulp, um, Different Class on vinyl, it's really quite hard to get the original vinyl. Um, it's expensive and, and they want um, Philippe the French guy that works I just said one day Anna I have something for you and I was like oh my god <laughs> I'll buy it so do you know what I mean you, it, it takes a, you're right Chris it does take a little bit of um, obsession to collect things that you would have not bought on vinyl at the time but yeah and, but charity shops as well uh, charity shop finds are indeed the, the most reward the most rewarding you can get aren't they so in terms of um, nicking records off your dad, what was wh what period does that go up to? What was the the latest album that you nicked? I don't mean the one the most recently, but the the one that was released latest. <laughs> um, probably well, not some of it was I stole the actual physical records. Some just stole the idea of it. So things like Leonard Cohen, things like Nick Drake. So yeah, sixties into the seventies, um, and then you know. 80s and 90s onwards my dad was just so dismissive of like top of the pops and he used to come in and say what on earth is this awful conversion and we're like well I'm 11 so I've got no idea that was first recorded in 1965 so you know he were teachers but in a very kind of pop music's gone to the dogs kind of way um right yeah. rightly so really rightly yeah. so I don't know, I think he appreciated that by the 90s there was a scene a proper scene going on and he now latterly kind of acknowledges that you know your Jarvis Cockers and your Damon Albans are kind of national treasures now just about but I don't think he would have bought them ever he left that to us. Okay we are going to um, take you back in time where so music when did you first become aware of music what was playing in the house when did you fall in love with music? Oh we're going right back to when I was about four um, both my parents love music. Um, my dad owns loads of vinyl and had the biggest speakers in Leeds. Um, I honestly, I don't know how our oh, neighbors. Oh, really? Yeah, seriously, massive, you know, the kind of ones that need their own sort of stand and those spikes <laughs> that go into the floor. So oh, proper wow. beast, beasts of speakers. And so my dad would play Leonard Cohen um, really loud. He'd play weirdly, but great because we loved it as kids was the Robin Hood soundtrack but by Clanad. Oh yeah, the, the Hooded Man. Robin. Mm. Yes. Hooded Man. <laughs> well, bum, love it. Bum. I'm so happy you know it. Oh, it's brilliant. 
we loved it. Yeah. And the whole album's amazing. And my dad would put it on ridiculously loud. I, my mum must have, I don't, I don't know quite how this happened, but my, you know, my mum was, I think, on board with the decibel outrage. And we would just sort of sit underneath, honestly, sit beneath the speakers and let the amazing sound pass. Me, me and my sisters, Kirsten and Claire, Kirsten would have been maybe a baby, so God knows what her eardrums were doing. And Claire Bleeding. was four, half, four and a half, five years older than me. Bleeding. Yeah. So, I, I, I can't believe that an album can be so nostalgic because yeah. I'm now thinking of, and I think I'm right, Jason Prayed. Um, or Michael uh, Prayed. Michael Prayed. Uh, yeah. And Michael Prayed. Jason and, Connery. And then it was Jason Connery. So, okay. Sunday. Let's get Sunday my dad evenings? on. Saturday evenings. Yeah, I think it was Saturdays, but it was, yeah. Um, yeah it was I, brilliant, wasn't it? Hearn the Hunter. Oh, yeah. yeah. So when, you're, when your mum took over the record player, what would she be playing? She would put on Simon and Garfunkel and we loved all that kind of feeling groovy and all those classics. And she also loves Leonard Cohen. Um, she also likes French. She's cool, my mom. She likes um, French singer, chanteurs like um, Francoise Hardy. Oh, um, wow. Who else? I'm trying to think of um, some of the, um, you know, she, she, she brought a different, there was kind of the light and shade. She brought kind of a more, oh, does anybody know George Mustaki? That was one of her favourites. Um, so kind of quite a European, interesting, I think my mum would have been loads more into music if it weren't for the fact my dad was so into music. I think sometimes, you know, and it probably happens to us, doesn't it? In our households, though, because we love music. We tend to dominate what's on the record player. Um, but yeah, no, she... She, she, she would definitely play Simon and Garfunkel to us because it's kind of like kid friendly as well, like nice, yeah. happy, sunny harmonies and things. No, yeah. no Demis Roussos? No, I think that's um, a little bit sort of uncool for my mum or Abigail's party. What? Um, How dare you? She'd know, was it, oh, what's this? Anyway, I mean, no, it, Dr. It's Hook? A, Dr. Hook. Uh, my dad might have been more Dr. Hook. My, actually, to be fair, my mum would have just played the Beatles as well. Like she, she loved the Beatles. My dad's from Liverpool, but it's a bit sort of like, oh, they're a boy band. Did your folks go to gigs? Do you know, I always have this chat with my dad about what what a mosh pit is. Right? He is really <laughs> adamant that they didn't exist in the olden days or in his youth. And I'm like, no, well, they... depends what you define as a mosh pit. Clearly, it's an American term, and it comes from punk and people really throwing themselves forward to the front of the stage in small venues but in in in, in my lifetime mosh pit just gen mosh pits just generally refers to the bit at the front where people are nearest to the stage so my dad always goes off on one about how um how gigs that they went to in the 60s and they were at newcastle university together you know you, you basically stood still or you sat on a nice wooden chair to watch the artist so I find it amazing, really, to think, um, to think of, you know, and, and my dad went to gigs in Liverpool when the Beatles were, you know, breaking through and the Cavern Club was, was, was you know, I can't quite believe his story that yeah. they never actually got crushed into a, into a venue like, you know, and had that thrill of being kind of part of the crowd and covered in everybody else's sweat as, as is part of gig life. Yeah, but, it, it yeah. wasn't, it, it wasn't the thing. I've had this mm. with my parents. It sounds like my parents are slightly older than yours. But my mum got to see the Beatles and Tom Jones and um, what, what was Stevie Wonder? What did he used to be called? Little Stevie, is that right? 
I think it was little Stevie when he was a boy and then he changed, didn't he? All those. And it, it would genuine. The, the thing to do was dance actually. And she said, as rock and roll came in, you would dance. So she said, sometimes it'd be really quite busy and packed, but you'd actually dance all sort of facing the same way. With she each said, other, which the, is nice. Yeah. And on some of the rock and roll gigs, yeah, it would be because my mum was a bit of a jiver. They would actually do that obviously in limited space, but not necessarily all stood, you know, facing the artist. It, it wasn't, it was very different. And if you see, if you see some of the footage, especially some of those Beatles shows, you can see that they are, they stood up, but they are in their chairs. So they're, yeah. <laughs> they're only squashed in their chairs in the theatre because they're, you know, the four of them are cutting up next to each other at the front, screaming, screaming. So there is a, but that thing you say about facing the stage versus facing each other, the KLF book, don't know if either of you have read it yet. But my I've not read it yet. It. Oh, I right. can't wait to read it. But my partner was reading out a bit of it. And, and it's about, you know, well, one part of it is talking about this very thing that how rave culture and dance music culture actually meant that people danced with each other again and turned yes. to each other. And, and that, yes, there was an artist on the stage on some decks or playing some tunes or, or, or performing, but fundamentally the joy of it was to face each other and the other people were the show rather than the person on the stage being the kind of focal point, which I actually really liked that thought. It was really the early nineties that that started to change. And it mm. really came with the superstar DJs that obviously the Chemical Brothers sing about. And it was, it was with your fat boy Slims and that, when all of a sudden you then started dancing at the dj almost. yes and there was there was an absolute switch of focus and you could you, you could still dance with each other so i remember being going to cream in liverpool in the 90s i was in university there and seeing some of these you know i've seen them all carl cox over the years all of them and there was a definite change in the 90s when they did become rock and roll stars in themselves djs mm. and our habits live changed and and mm -hmm. so you would you you would start dancing i mean you go and see fat boy slim now he's touring arenas isn't he and you're supposed to look at him because he's got lovely big screens and there yeah and you are you are all dancing you're looking at each other maybe and smiling but even you know even by the time the chemical brothers came round and were big i was dancing at them at the at stage the because i think because visuals as soon as planned stage visuals came along it distracted you away from the crowd. So is it good? Is it bad? I, I don't know. It's just... L looping it back to my parents and the gigs they went to back in the day, one gig I always love hearing about from my mom is that she saw the John Barry Quartet. No way! But guess where? She saw them in an ice rink where the, she and her friends would skate around the band. How cool is what? that? So in terms of kind of gig formats that have been tried out in history and we want back. Yeah. How about that? And it was in Leeds in the, in the six, when it must have been the mid 60s or early 60s even. Oh, that sounds amazing. Oh my gosh. My brain is racing, Chris. My brain is racing. <laughs> it's just a nice thought, isn't it? To, to do two fun things at once. Why not? Like have a sort of multitasking fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Make the fun work twice as hard.
me ask you then, Anna, what was your first gig? This is where all the cool references take a nosedive, I'm afraid. So no, just, just, nothing despite, about that. It's all, it's all good. It's all good. Despite the wise counsel of my parents and their good taste, my first actual gig that I chose to go to, that I, you know, asked to get tickets for. This is what Jay we want. Yeah, yeah, here we go. Was, was Jason Donovan at the Harrogate International Centre. So wow. It's not even a cool venue. It's like a, a conference centre where they do, you know, kind of, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but like, I don't know, knitting conventions and stuff. Not Nothing wrong with knitting, but like, it's not normally a place of pop music. Or maybe now, or maybe has been since. But so, yeah, I, I saw... I was about, I think it, I'm trying to work out. I was thinking it must have been 91 or 92. I was 12-ish and my sister came with me and my little sister who was, I think, seven or eight. Um, and it was, you know, to be fair, Jason put on a cracking show. Well, I think he probably <laughs> felt like he needed, I think he probably felt like he needed to because his, his um, star was on the wane at that point, wasn't it? It's true. I mean, he was, he was... Mm it was a downward tra trajectory at that point kylie had already become kylie on yeah. her own hadn't she and jason had become jason donovan yeah and and if i am sure i'm sure people listening and, and you you have watched some of the top of the pops reruns on on bbc4 lately oh yes so they're they're in i think at the end of 1991 brian adams is still number one right now For the 10th um, year. But, but when you see the jason donovan tracks pop up even I, and I was clearly a fan in that era, I was like, ooh, don't really remember this one. <laughs> because it was Joseph? that kind of, for, it was actually, yeah, it was the Any Dream Will Do, but just before that kind of maybe spring of 91 summer, you know that feeling when you can tell that Pete Waterman is really rinsing like the fourth and fifth singles out of the album. That's where we've been in 1991. And the tapes were all neon. Do you remember this? The Stock yeah. and Waterman tapes were... No, I like, don't. Bright pink, bright orange, bright lime green. That's um, brilliant. Which is kind of ravey, really, but it was very much a fine Yeah, but for kids, it looked like you could yeah. lick lick them. Yeah. <laughs> it was, they were like Were you licking your cassettes? Christopher Payne, ladies and gentlemen. Christopher Payne. Cassette licker. No, they, they, they looked like... <laughs> They looked like lollipops. They looked like you could you could lick them. Probably. Maybe if you lick the two holes at the same time, you could record something on the B side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you still have, by any chance, the ticket stub for that concert? I was. I, you asked me this, and I was looking in my. I do have loads of tickets in a shoebox, but they sort of start when I started going to gigs as mid-teen. So if if, if those ticket stubs exist, they're in a shoebox in my parents' loft with a load of old smash hits. Okay, let's get on to the important thing. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, she's got a shoebox full of ticket stubs. This is what we're here for. If my mum threw them away, um, then, you know, it's possible. But I do think that in our loft at home, in, York, in North Yorkshire, there are some, like, dark recesses that she hasn't managed to reach where shoeboxes of tat collected by my sisters and I in the 80s may still be preserved in a kind of cocoon-like state, and I'm hoping to find them one day. You might want to check that, Anna, because I think your mum's burnt them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Anna, we have, we have uh, Jason, which is, which is marvellous, Jason Donovan. What would you class as, what was then your first cool concert? That you mm -hmm. felt like you'd found your taste in music and that's not that's not denying because um chris and i are both dead against guilty pleasure you know there is no guilty yeah pleasure. i agree i love pop music and yeah it's all good 
So Jason was about 12 when I saw that gig. So we're sort of fast forwarding probably four years to the point where I'm actually able to have my own money to buy a ticket and go to a gig on my own. Because with yeah. Jason, my parents were waiting outside and all that. So yeah, it would have been probably Blur at Sheffield Arena in 95. Oh, get off. Get That can't be that. Well... It probably is. Don't in come the... in here throwing round. Yes, my first gig <laughs> happens to be Arena Blur. That is yeah, far well, too cool. Saying I'd seen them in some cool little back of a pub would actually be cool. But the point is, I didn't yeah. really see them until they were massive. So because I was 16 and, and off we went on a coach trip over to Sheffield. And um, it was at, it was the would it have been the Great Escape Tour? Yeah, by this point. I was just going to say, was that amazing, did you say 96? Yeah. I think 95, the first time I saw them live. Yeah, it was Great Escape. Because I, I was I moved into my first ever flat and that, and that cassette was the soundtrack to us moving in. Oh, of course, it's What's the Story Morning Glory, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it, it was, that, was it around the battle, yeah. yeah. That tour, wasn't that the tour where they had, can you remember the gig? Burgers. Burgers. Giant that's burgers. what I was just going to say. Yeah, they yeah. had giant burgers on the top. They did. Because I saw that gig in Cardiff, that tour. That, wow, what a you lucky thing. That is a brilliant first gig. Tell me what you remember about it and how you felt and, you know, the whole experience. It was the excitement of having to sort of go on a coach trip as well. So we went across Yorkshire and arrived and got in there and bought the T-shirt, did all those things. And it's the T-shirt that I later wore to Oasis at Nebworth, by the way. I wore a blur T-shirt to Nebworth. Get in. Nice one. Chris um, and I are like that. We're both Oasis and Blur. I think, yeah, it was my way of sort of, I mean, the lady doth protest too much by going to Nebworth, but wearing a blur T-shirt. But anyway, we'll, we can come back to that. Because I was very much trying to be like, on the blur side of the divide but i also didn't want to miss out on a massive moment in culture and i'm pretty sure that was the right decision but blur yes. at sheffield arena i remember i just remember the sound of you know how you hear about beatlemania and what it sounds like to hear a, a wall of screaming so like we got in and i had a i was kind of to the left of the stage higher up looking down on the mosh pit sorry dad and <laughs> there there and it was just seeing and I've probably not been in an audience that big before. And um, just, yeah, the sound of screaming that kind of did drown out half of the first song, which I think was Stereotypes. I think they came on Stereotypes. Yes, um, yeah, it was. Yeah. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. You know what I found recently in terms of little relics of, of, of fandom that may or may not be in the loft, um, I found a review that I'd written for myself. So I got back, had the programme T-shirt, and I typed up on my parents like word processor, a review that I was, I said to my mom, why did I write that? Was it, was it for the school magazine or I said, no, just for yourself. So I wrote oh my myself gosh. a review and I, ha I have it and it's quite cute. It's not bad actually. It's not, it's, yeah. you know, it's the work you, of a 16 You still have it, did you say? Yeah, no, I absolutely got it. Yeah, yeah. Would you, would you mind sharing it with listeners? Like, would, would you send a picture to us so that people could read it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, th I think it's just over there. Shall I see if I've got it? Oh, we'd love to hear it. So let me just see if I've still got it in this room. Oh, I think she's got it. Okay. I think you've got it. So what I have here are my two, which I definitely rescued from the loft, um, is the Blur program. <gasps> wow. And What's then the, that? the Nebworth, that's Nebworth. That's oh, you bought Nebworth. the Nebworth one. So I've got those two together. So in here, unless it's moved, but I don't think it has. 
Yeah, it's so, I mean, look, it's a real, there's some real evidence of being a massive nerd here. Right now, you are the most Gig Stories guest ever. <laughs> you, you are, you, you, along with Sophie Williams, yeah. who is a friend of mine, and she's, uh, she's 21 now, I think, and she's the new music editor at the NME. Lucky person, that's the dream gig. Oh, yeah, she, and her, her story, and for listeners, if you've not heard that, get back and listen, because ah. she's absolutely fabulous you two should be leading chris and i in the gig stories podcast because you are absolutely <laughs> up there as as geeks with us so we welcome you well i have i have my spreadsheet bear, bear that in mind oh yeah he has a spreadsheet Anna. <laughs> i've got a spreadsheet i of went gigs you've been to yeah I, I went through all of all of my tickets excel yeah all I of my it. tickets all of my tickets yeah. and so i've got the the names of the band or artist the date <laughs> the city, the venue. But now I can look up things by venue and see who I saw there and da 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 and, um, and it, it was, and that was a lockdown thing. So yeah, alongside the um, eld, elderflower champagne and the banana <laughs> bread, there was a spreadsheet for all my gigs. Listen to you, how pleased he is that I don't even have to go by the artist. I can yeah. go, but I can search gigs by the venue. Yeah. Many of you listening will have to go by the artist, not me. <laughs> I can go by venue. I can even go by month. <laughs> While you sip elderflower champagne. Yes, with my, with my <laughs> pinky root. And <laughs> yeah, I can go by month. I wish I could get the relevant data to do such a thing, but I just can't. I just don't think I could. You've it's got true. it in a shoebox. Look at this, right? This is these are these are the the artifacts, which I'm happy to send you pictures of. But this is how nerdy I was, but also how much this gig meant to me. So the coach like invoice thing, the coach like how much it cost us? Fifty one quid, all in for the trip plus two tickets. That's so expensive. Oh, is it price, isn't it? But I think it was the travel as well. Yeah. All the little things that you know, the merch stall items t-shirts yeah. and things on a, on, a, on a sort of glossy bit of paper oh, i i am the loving guardian, this the guardians like my mum and dad would have read the paper and i would have nicked this so it's damon so it's for the review of the gig from monday the 27th of november 1995 he is he is lush he is and he is a, he's a beautiful boy damon chris there that other fellow on this zoom he's photographed damon <sighs> is he easy to work with or is he a diva no chris got thrown out because he kept licking his face no i, I tell you i I can't remember if I've, I've mentioned, I, I think I have mentioned this, um, but it was at Six Music Festival when it was in Manchester. Well, Salford it was um, Victoria Warehouse. And I got, um, and he was, he was there and he was, he was performing. But then um, in the morning, the Saturday morning, he was being interviewed by Stuart McConey and uh, Marianne Hobbs. And the three photographers got br brought in and I was the third of the three. The other two were enemy um, photographers. And the second of the first two accidentally used a flash and pretty much blinded him. And he okay. stood up and started to walk away and I had to grab his arm and say, no, come, come back. And his, his, <laughs> his, 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 so he sat down, his person said, you've got two, two clicks. I think it was two clicks or three. I can't remember. I, I took five. I did five clicks, but three of them were him looking in a completely different direction. He wouldn't. He wouldn't look at Chris. He wouldn't look at me. But I get. I did get one. I think he would have been lovely had he not just had a flash in the face. 
Right, listener, we are seeing the typed up mm. review. We will get pictures and put it yeah. on the, the website because this is Gig Stories Gold. It's not my finest writing, but everybody has to be kind because I was 16. Okay? You were 16? I couldn't write like that now. Don't don't worry. You haven't seen it yet. I love it. <laughs> but yes, there we are. Very quickly, and it would be rude of us not to pick up on this because both Chris and I were in relevant places. Chris was in the Scottish Nebworth. So you went to Loch Lomond, didn't you? Yeah. Was it, it was after, was it after Nebworth? Was it the week it after? Was, or was it the, it was the week before, I think. Yeah, week, week before. before. So you got them, you got them first. Yeah. Which, which day were you on, Anna? Were you the, se- yeah! There it is, there's the ticket. Yeah, and what a bargain actually, £22.50. Yeah. That ticket. Crazy. Yeah, Saturday and, I, you know, again, like I said, I was kind of trying to rock the, I'm, I'm actually a Blur fan thing, trying to be cool and it didn't really work because everybody else was screaming for Oasis, but, I loved it. It was so exciting. and, and um, Apart from Ocean Colour Scene, of course. Well, the, I was about to say, I actually learned a lot about other bands that day because I got into the, I kind of got into the Manics that day because Nicky Wire, I don't know if you remember, Alex, but he was wearing a I... dress as he often did and often still does. I think it was a green dress. And I can remember just being transfixed by this guy in the green dress with the big eyeliner and the hair. And, and so while... I was, I'm glad I went and, and Oasis, you know, they played everything at double speed. Do you remember that? Like racing through Wonderwall and... That, that, is, a, that is a thing from Nebworth. And we were all like, what, this is so fast. Everything was so fast. And I remember getting home from Nebworth. So I got a coach. So back up to, to Nairsborough, my hometown, from Hertfordshire through the night, got home. What time did you get home? Oh, it must have been, I think, it must have been six or seven the next morning. Yeah, I put... Yeah. Me, me and my girlfriend at the time, we pulled up to Cardiff Castle where they were dropping us off at quarter to eight in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I remember, I might have gone to bed first, but I remember being so still buzzing from the whole experience that I I, I don't know why, I, I think I probably had already stolen copies of my dad's record collector and had them under my bed. So, and you know, these in the days when record collector had like Buddy Holly on the cover and stuff. Yeah. yeah. They weren't they were for old, I mean, no disrespect to my dad, but they were for old, they were from a very old male audience, let's face it. Yeah, Record collector now, I can see, is now, now who's the old man? Now who the that's, old the latest, that's the latest one, yeah. isn't it? So I'm holding up a copy of Record Collector with the Mannix on the with cover. The Mannix. So. And that's one of my favourite photo shoots, that as cool, well. Very cool. It's the one where they've got like um, culture sluts written across their chest yeah. in lipstick. But yeah. Yeah, so and and I will acknowledge that I just said, that is one of my favourite Mannix photo shoots. I do have favourite Mannix <laughs> yeah. photo shoots. And I'm not. They're so photogenic, aren't they? But yeah, so I, I got home. I got I got out rather than going to sleep after a, a mad kind of experience and then all night on a coach. I, I got my dad's record collectors out and started going through them for like, what, how can I find out more about what to buy of the Mannix or who can I, you know, there's little adverts at the back and I send off for like the CDs and all this. I mean, I, I did say earlier I was massively nerdy at the time. I am properly giddy inside because I'm. I feel like I did back then. It was such what a what a night. And then if you remember, the Sunday night was on Radio One, so mm. I was then sat with cassette ready to record it. Yeah, uh, and listen to it and really. Did you lick the cassette though? No, Chris was. <laughs> so we, Anna we're going to take you into our uh, ironically named quickfire rounds okay favorite bands to see live who's your favorite act artist oh you do ask hard questions 
I'm going to go for Deer Hunter. Oh my gosh, wow. When was the first time you saw Deer Hunter? Um, the Halcyon Digest tour must have been. So I can't quite think, but 2000 and what year was that? Uh, they're a band that I really associated with uh, a sort of a second wave of gig going in my life. So well yeah. away from the 90s now and into the 2000s. Yeah. yeah. Finding no. them in as part of friendships I had in, in London when I got to London in my first job here and my very good gig buddy, Julian, who got me into Deer Hunter. So House in Digest. Seven, no, seven, 2007? Sounds about right. Um, I and I saw them at All Tomorrow's Parties where they played every album. Oh, wow. Like three nights in a row. Yes. Amazing. Yes. Okay. I remember. I remember that happening. I wasn't there. Yeah. Oh, hang on. I remember that happening. 2010, actually, House in Digest. Oh, it's not that long ago, is it? 11 years ago. No. Um, yeah, but I saw them from that point onwards, I don't know, I don't know, six, seven, eight times in different forms. Yeah. And what was it that grabbed you? The singer Bradford Cox just has that proper, amazing frontman energy and a kind of craziness that things might go off a bit. A bit, <laughs> yes. a bit yeah. like the Manics in their heyday. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But a feeling that he was very much in the moment with you as the performer and definitely those all tomorrow's parties ones i actually managed to high five him at the end of the gig and he's got these long bony fingers um you know he's got marfan syndrome which is this syndrome that makes it's kind of makes him very sort of bony and skinny and kind of amazing but it's also a serious um syndrome that makes him have you know he struggles with his health and stuff so you kind of think there's a fragility to him there as well but he, he stuck out his bony hand and I high-fived it and Brilliant. he looked me in the eye and he was wearing some sort of mad like Russian fur hat but inside the whole thing was nuts but really really exciting and I just think his voice his um his songwriting all the musicians he gets on stage he got on stage um Verity from Electrolane who is a friend oh, yeah. of mine through my, oh, wow. I, I'm friends with Debbie, who was the um, bassist, sorry, the guitarist in Electra Lane right. um, back in the day. So Verity played saxophone with Deer Hunter and we were like, oh my God, that's kind of our mate playing with them. And so anyway, that's it, so was cool. so, it was so exciting. But that wasn't very quick fire, was it? No, it's all right, but you'll get used to this. Um, best ever gig, best ever live gig. Oh, Kate Bush. Hammersmith Apollo. Oh, you were one of them. One of them. I'm, I'm one of them, but I'm one of the ones that paid a ridiculous amount of money that I should have brought a car with to see <laughs> Kate Bush instead. I couldn't get tickets in the first sort of flush of, of them coming online. It was a nightmare, but it was worth it. Was it an amazing night? It was... It was... A, a, other world i'm sorry because i think if you didn't go it just makes you feel more annoyed to hear about it but no, it was otherworldly um i was about six rows so i bought these super duper idiotic expensive tickets my friend and my partner were we were all separate so we were all having this experience but in different because we could only buy old tickets that were left yeah, on their yeah. own yeah. so i was on my own with this um i always describe it as like i was in a row of of men for some reason everyone around me was like a you know a, a guy in his maybe thirty five upwards so oh, really and, and and all of them all of them weeping so basically <laughs> very emotional middle aged men <laughs> in tears and we just kept turning to each other I totally understand just looking at each other about kind of the next thing you know she was singing obviously all the stuff from Hounds of Love and the Ninth Wave and just and then ah oh, it was it was honestly like a mad dream like a hallucination the whole thing. 
and the fact she didn't let people take photos is actually amazing because you can't you can't ruin it by looking at the photos it's all got to be in your memory when was the last time you cried at a gig because i'm i'm gonna be straight up here i mean it's happening to me all the time now it's hilarious. <laughs> just because you said middle-aged man of which i absolutely am i think it was either i think it was probably seeing um saint etienne play nothing can stop us which oh, yeah. but recently as in last five years because they, when they played in 2000 they played leeds met which is now leeds beckett and yeah. i interviewed them for a leeds student newspaper and um very sweetly they must have read i think they must have read the review of the album that i'd done so anyway during the gig all of a sudden there i am kind of i'm about five six rows back sarah cracknell suddenly kind of puts the spotlight on me and says this one's for anna and, and sp sparks up nothing can stop us and i know i actually had an out, i had an out-of-body experience that she dedicated it to me right but that's in 2000 and about 20 years on or whatever, the last time I saw them, probably 2018 or something, when they played it again, I had a kind of little bit of a, my whole life since then moment, thinking about how they dedicated that to me once upon a time when I was you know, oh. 18, 19. And here I am. Do you know what, Anna? Sorry, I yeah. thought you were going to tell us that she did it again. And I no, was she going, didn't do it I was going to end the no. podcast here and go, <laughs> well, it was lovely talking to you. Now, sod off. <laughs> No, Sarah Cracknell did not remember that moment probably as much as I did. But yeah, so I think I might have a little bit of a tear in my eye at the memory of that. I can imagine that's a kind of like a nice, a nice triggering. Do you know what I mean? That kind yeah. of Yeah. Oh. Yeah. With a little bit of a oh my God, how have I let like 19 years go by? What have I done in it? So just triggering just triggering then. But positive overall, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Chris, can right. I can can I assume that you know the song, Chris? Nothing can stop us now. Yeah. Do, 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 do. And obviously, yeah. as I said earlier, I can't hear a song title and I've just sung it through. Would I be right, Chris, in saying that it is a flute? Uh, yeah. Is it a recorder? What is it? It's a Dusty Springfield sample, actually. But it's a flute. Isn't it? I think it's two flutes. They, they harmonise with each other. Because surely, surely that must be one of the greatest performances by a flute in a record. But stolen from Dusty, I think. Yeah. Let's put that on the web page. Because it is, when I first learned that, because obviously they're a band who sample everybody. And I can remember being a little bit like, <gasps> what do you mean? It wasn't them that thought of the flutes. It was Nick's. But then, of course, that's the beauty of, of music is that sampling brings amazing things into a new era. The other best flautist is... Um... Uh, display music or my favorite is sure shot by the beastie boys and i'm almost nice. sure that that's not them either <laughs> <laughs> so i love a flute i love a flute and i love a bell and sebastian recorder solo yes it's great isn't it it's yeah great. it's all it's all slightly because you know you could do it and you could join the band for one night isn't it? <laughs> I can do still that. Still couldn't. I still couldn't. Uh, I wish. I wish I could join you. Did I, uh, Alex? Have I told you that I I once recorded with Bell and Sebastian? We're coming out now. Ching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this you you know this is a podcast. <laughs> How long have we known each other now? I know enough. Long enough. Oh, it wasn't anything big. I was playing saxophone for a guy. Oh no, it wasn't anything big. No, no. I recorded with Bell and Sebastian. <laughs> They came, they came in. Big. They came in to do <laughs> hand claps for this guy. I, I'd done a, a sax that pop is so for him in Sebastian's classical. Well. I know. 
that was it. That was it. And you know how the, you were talking about a clique with Bell and Sebastian. That was the. That was exactly the feel that. So that this singer songwriter, um, he got me in to do one song playing saxophone, and then they all descended, came down, and everyone just sat in the corners of the recording studio, just kind of. And within this clique, there were little cliques. <laughs> so the cliques within cliques. A sub-clique. Yeah. I have one Bella Sebastian story. It's a bit random. But my friend in Glasgow, her daughter, who is now like 21, but her daughter was given Stuart Murdoch's pogo stick. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> when she was about 12. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. I, and I'm guessing that's only because he upgraded and got a... Almost certainly. Almost certainly. He didn't outgrow it. He got a better one (laughs) and passed it on. (laughs) Look at me on my pogo stick. That's so Bell and Sebastian. It is. Love it. I love it. Right. This is still the quick fire round, all right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm as guilty as everyone. Right. What was the worst gig you've ever been? Depends whether you mean worse by somebody you love being disappointing or just an awful band. No, this is your interpretation, exactly. This is what we love. Some people don't even say that, and so they just tell us. But we like it when you've got two answers. Uh, So not wanting to... Oh, God, it's so hard. Yes, yes. Not wanting to. Yes, wanting to, please. (laughs) No, no, because this is is a bit sad. Uh, Do you remember when Blur Blur played the... um, end of the Olympics gig in Hyde Park in London. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Obviously a good gig and a, a jubilant moment for the nation. But I think due to some crazy um local rules about sound levels, they didn't play loud enough. Does does this ring yes. any bells? Yes, that's right. But as those of you who know modern life is rubbish and those listeners who might know, is it turn it up, turn it up? That song. Turn it, turn it up. It's like kind of the least blur song on the album it's quite yeah. sort of basic but the the, the fans about two-thirds back so we're talking about i don't know a few thousand you know tens of thousands of people back who could not hear just started to sing turn it up turn it up turn it up because Brilliant. we could not hear and i just remember feeling you know that olympics was so wonderful and uplifting for everybody who managed to even watch it on telly but i i managed to you know see a bit of it you know just the marathon in london and got to go to Wimbledon the tennis and everything amazing time and everything felt good didn't it so then for it to end with like my favorite band or one of my favorite bands playing in Hyde Park it should have been awesome but because I couldn't hear them it actually was weirdly quite a sad gig yeah it's yeah I mean if you're not expecting much and it's a bad gig it's actually not as disappointing but if you're expecting something especially in 2012 as well yeah Oh, I mean, look, to be fair, other people probably had an amazing night that had bothered to get there early and were right down in, in, in yeah. the front rows. It's yeah, just where yeah. I was. I couldn't hear it. We actually ended up just wandering off and like having a beer in a sort of tent somewhere. And I was like, I cannot believe I'm walking away from a blur gig, but I can't hear it anyway. What's your favourite venue? Ooh, another good question. Um, you mentioned the Manchester Ritz earlier. I love that place. Yes. Um, what was the first gig there. you saw? Was that the first gig you saw there? I think I saw, yeah, I think I saw Air on the Moon Safari tour there. Oh my gosh, um, one of my favourite albums. Maybe 98. Uh, yeah. So because they were these mysterious characters, weren't they? The Air, the Air duo. 
it, it, it kind of almost felt like, will they actually turn up? And so, yeah, um, it was magical in there, very twinkly little venue. And again, you know, just that feeling of being, for me, being from the other side of the Pennines, going over to Manchester, going to Affleck's Palace beforehand, buying yeah. loads of mad old tat, and then going to see air at a wonderful little venue with a great view was, was yeah, really, really fun. through this okay. we've got we've got Doblefest or Annabry which is your own your own <laughs> music cultural arts festival okay so you're going to have a whole amount of seconds to think about this okay you can pick two spoken word events so in the small tent you are going to choose two people who are going to be interviewed and they can be anyone so who are your two people that you want to see interviewed music figures or anyone. Um, we'll, we'll stick. We'll stick with a the music theme, mm-hmm. and then you've got your introducing slot, which is a maybe an unknown or a new band. Then yeah. you've got your warm up, and then you've got your headline act. Oh, this is so, so you've hard. got you've got two spoken word interviews, and then you've got a newbie warming you up, and then a headliner. A newbie and a headliner. Right, listener. God, I've got to tell so you, hard. all the way through this chat, Anna has been writing notes she's taking this very seriously and this is what chris and i like so all future guests if you're not like anna doble you will be cut off <laughs> it's the it's more the fear of forgetting something so I, when i have a thought i quickly make a note such as the john barry gig right so okay we're in the tent we're in the small tent, in the tent. getting ready to go to the main stage Ooh, oh, no God. no hang on we're in the ice rink we're in the ice rink. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Skating round as John Robb interviews Tim Burgess. <laughs> can I bring people back from the dead? You can. Anyone you like. Okay. Anyone you like. Right. Okay. So um, first on the stage, opening the interview stage at Doblefest is Dusty Springfield. Being interviewed by me. Nice. Yeah. Perfect. She comes on to St. Etienne. Yeah, she comes on to her own flute. She yeah. was famously into the reason I want to talk to her, as well as obviously I quite like her to sing, but is because she was what a character. She famously loved a food fight. If you've ever read the um, Lucy O'Brien biography, no, she I used to start food fights in these kind of LA dinner parties. Oh. She was really funny, basically, and a real kind of mischief maker. So I feel like that would make a good chat. What a woman. There Lovely. aren't enough food fights. There aren't enough food, uh, certainly at our age. <laughs> yeah, I know. So the applause, that was wonderful. Well done, Anna, for interviewing Dusty Springfield. And now on the stage, please welcome. Oh, God, I'm not prepared here, am I? Let's bring back Nick Drake. Oh, interesting. Are you going to interview Nick as no, well? No, I. we need a more sensitive interviewer than me. <laughs> Pete Perfides. We're going to Pete. Terry Christian. <laughs> but I'd like to ask Nick Drake just a few, well, not. I'd like someone to ask him about how he felt about his music because it's such a shame that he was you know a guy who was so amazing in his songwriting but couldn't speak could he so I don't know why I'm forcing him to speak actually it's a bit harsh but I'm sure now Nick Drake was still alive how old would he be 70s 60s I knew you were too anyway. good to be true Anna Doble you're actually a mean 
vicious, cruel woman. Sorry, listeners. I'm sorry you've had to be put through that. Everyone's left the tent. She's forcing Nick. Have you seen him there? She's forcing Nick Drake to talk. He used to play his gigs, some of them, or record facing the wall because he was too shy. So That's let's right. have him staring into the corner. Oh, bless him. While we, while we ask him, well, the audience can ask him questions. Oh, that's a nice, Is that a bit weird? nice touch. Uh, yes, but we like that. Okay, so we've left the tent. Everyone's emptying out because they're going to go and see the uh, introducing slot. Um, I suppose that's a BBC thing, isn't it, really? The Here is a band we'd like to introduce you to, and they are... The Orioles from Halifax. Oh, yes. Yeah, Love claps all around from Chris and I. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely Love them. brilliant. My favourite little indie band of the last few years, although they don't need introducing probably anymore, but I would still have them being introduced because yeah. they're, they're great. And I think the pandemic has got in the way of a lot of these great little bands, you know, kicking on with their yes. careers. So yes, let's has. give them that slot. Oh, that's amazing. And if and anyone listening who doesn't know them, <laughs> go and search them out because they're, yeah, they're one of my favourites too the past few years. They're just fantastic. They were brilliant. Everyone loved that. And now whoo, we're warming up. Ready for the headliner, but not the headliner. A great act oh, in their own right. So it hot. is. Please welcome to the stage at Doblefest, Anna Bree. Let's give it to Pulp. Oh, that is a massive shout. So a little bit beyond warm up, but I'd love to see them in their absolute pomp. So sort of the Glastonbury 94, 95 sort of. Oh, so did of you not see them back then? Uh, I you say that because you did, didn't you? Yes, of course. <laughs> yes, of course. I didn't see them until probably oh, I know I saw the Finsbury Park ninety late nineties. But my sister right. was my Claire, my big sister was the biggest pulp fan, still is, um, and she got to see them at the Heineken Festival that year that they broke through. And then we watched oh, them wow. on the telly at Glastonbury. Because do you remember they only played Glastonbury because the Stone Roses pulled out? They only headlined. So John yeah, Squire broke his arm yeah. or something, didn't he? Fall off yeah, a bike. That's right. Yeah. So let's have Jarvis doing the kind of as the sun sets kind of yeah. moment, golden light bending yeah. the stage. What a gig. People think surely it's time to go home. How do you follow that? Exactly. How do you follow that? And this is how you follow it with. Craftwork. Yes. The fully, fully 3D laser show craftwork with, um, and it's the mix, you know, the one that's a bit more like of all the remix albums on earth, it's the, the one with the blue cover with the kind of, obviously they've all got robots on them, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of amped up and a bit radiant and could definitely, we could have a few guests, we could have, you know, Orbital joining them on stage or, um, Caribou, for that matter. You know, we'll have a few other little collabos on that set. But yeah, the proper, the original lineup of Kraftwerk, pumping it out. Can I just remind you that we're actually in an ice rink. So if you had, <laughs> if you, if you had speed skaters going round, like you know how they they played yeah. uh, Manchester International Festival with the uh, cyclists, in so they, you could have speed. Yes. So you've got speed skaters going round. Oh yes. That would be amazing. When I, I saw Kraftwerk at the Tate Modern when they played that time. Oh, and yes. It was, it was so good. It was in the Turbine Hall. And I was, again, flipping lucky to get in. And I do have quite a showbiz tale to tell about how I got in, which I can tell you, but it's a bit humble brag. But um, I got in and um, the sort of 3D show and the way they did it, because it's in that contained concrete sort of yeah. oblong that is the Turbine Hall, it was so intense. Like you felt like um, 
like sat like they had like satellites flying above and they had sort of musical notes floating around your head properly trippy intense and amazing i'm so lucky i was there i, I mentioned pete perfides about two minutes ago and i mentioned him again this is bonkers um because i i'm almost positive that it was his review that i read of that gig and just thinking man because they, they did a few of them didn't they in the turbine they did every album didn't they i think i saw trans europe express but yeah i oh, got wow. i got in well, I went with Jon Snow from Channel 4 News. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, and everybody thought twist. he was my... Yeah, I know. Everybody thought he was my dad. So I used to work at Channel 4 News. I used to do stuff on their website. So um, when he, when Jon Snow learned of my sadness at not getting tickets, because he's a patron of the Tate, he very, very kindly said, I'll get you in, darling, and managed to blag me and a friend of mine from that team that where we worked at the time into that gig. So... Oh my god! So I've got these photos of me and John and my friend in X-ray, you know, the kind of cardboard 3D specs. It's completely <laughs> surreal. Oh, so John came as well? Yeah, John came. He was oh, well up for it. Oh, I have never loved him more. I, know, I, I want to salute. It. I, I feel yeah. like I want to sing something. I don't know why, but Land of Hope and Glory or something. I don't know. I <laughs> like wave a John Snow flag. I oh, Mr. Yeah. Snow. He's a very regular listener to this podcast. I'm sure he is. Um, Thank, thank you for taking Arana to that gig. That is brilliant. So that's the yes. show I need for my festival. It needs to be that version of Craftwork that with one. all the kind of amazing visuals and things. That's that's what I like. And what I was going to say is when I rudely interrupted you is that I think something that's the direction that I think you'd have to go after someone like Pulp. Because I would have said, I probably would have said Prodigy or Chemical Brothers, something that's so different, so yeah. that you're not like you couldn't whack on Blur or anything like that. No, something just different, and that you're just going to dance the night away, knowing Pulp were bloody amazing, and we just saw that Craftwork gig. Mm -hmm. Wow, what what a festival! And listeners, tickets for that festival will be going on sale. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be our fire fest or, or whatever. <laughs> With yeah. Nick Drake weeping in the corner. <laughs> yes. Face in the wall. <laughs> well, we need to take you to the last two questions because our time is, is more than it. We've taken far too much of your time and I have thoroughly enjoyed this chat. And so um, before Chris asks you the final question, I'm just going to ask for not just Chris and I, but for our listeners, we like to ask for a live recommendation of a band first so who may we have not seen that you think you've got to go and see this band live they are fantastic gosh you really are putting me on the spot tonight <laughs> um you and your ready questions in your podcast <laughs> i've already used up my deer hunter um who else is in that vein? Um, just trying to I honestly might have to come back to that one. What's the next one? <laughs> there's, too, there's, too many, there's too many good options. I, I want to kind of give a, a, I want to give a smaller band an opportunity here. You want to nail it? So let me have a little let me have a ponder. Um, oh, I've got one. Oh, wait, I've got one. She's amazing. I've just come to me. It's come to me. Julia Halter, brilliant live. Beautiful voice, amazing, intense live shows. Very not intimate, seen gorgeous. One, I love her. Really good. She's not exactly up and coming. She's absolutely made yet, but yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. yeah. It's probably not a an artist that everybody knows about in the UK. Brilliant, brilliant. That is great. Um, okay. The f <laughs> you. 
No, I'm I'm looking forward to this um this playlist. Every every episode has the playlist that we've mentioned before. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I actually prefer it when it's not a, a musician because you've got a, a, you you almost go through the the ages, um, mm. and so th- this one is going to be a belter. Really, this is going to be a great playlist. Yeah. Um, the last question. So it's a favorite either live track or a live album or maybe it's a, a video, a YouTube, uh, a, a perform a live performance that is on YouTube. What would be your go-to live thing? This is why I was making notes earlier. <laughs> so I'm scared <laughs> I to forget. So I've got, um, I know it's terrible to answer with kind of have two. No, but... go for it. So Ooh, he's just, feeling for, kind. just for sheer amazing, amazing live performance that blew everyone's socks off and blew my socks off again recently. This is a bit... Unexpected, I imagine, but Maria McKee on top of the pops doing Show Me Heaven. Show Me Heaven. Show yeah, me heaven. the classic 90s pop song. She, so the reason this is a thing, I know it's nuts, but the reason this is a thing, because top of the pops in that time, 1990, 91, had not yet embraced the idea of people playing live, right? It was still all mimed. And frankly, it was nuts that all these amazing stars were in that studio, traveled across the world to mime. She, and I read about this because it was on again recently on Top of the Pops um, on BBC Four. She insisted on singing live that song. And it is the most stunning vocal performance, is I it? think, in Top of the Pops history. You, you, you may giggle, Alex, with your Manic Street Preachers records on your bed. But honestly, <laughs> it's so good. And it's exactly why Top of the Pops had to then get their act together and let, let people sing live after that point and into the mid-90s and onwards. I did not have that on my bingo card. No. No. <laughs> I love it's it. Honestly, so emotional and wonderful. And she's just amazing. What a singer. Oh, brilliant. No, I love that. <laughs> I see. I remember in, in the same week that, that that tune came, I think it was the same week, um, Mariah Carey's first single came out Vision of Love. Yes. Another banger, really. I think, it, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, I, we were spoiled that week for. <laughs> For kind of female female vocals, well, vocals wasn't yeah. wasn't Maria McKee wasn't Show Me Heaven um, from Days of Thunder soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, and it was a it was very much a um, slow dance of choice at various discos I went weddings. To. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the sort of the kind of intensity that she brings to it live is more than it is on the record. So yeah. Anyway, I don't think I could love you any more, Anna. <laughs> We do like to get into the geeky snobby. Oh yes, we saw this, this. But actually, I I would be more than happy to lie in the dark in headphones and listen to Maria McKee show me heaven <laughs> is the truth, and and probably cry. I'll probably cry at the moment. The state I'm in, I'll, I'll I'll ball myself to sleep tonight listening to Maria McKee, and then probably go straight on to take my breath away. <laughs> <laughs> The fi- final um, link is crying again. So the other live performance I only watched again for the first time this year, earlier this year. So it's Underworld playing Glastonbury in 1998. And it's on YouTube and it's um, it's Born Slippy. I mean, yeah. And I was there and I was 19. And so I'm was in I. The crowd. Yeah. So, well, well, we were, I mean, can you remember? I was sort of to the side on the right. I was... <laughs> 
bang central about yeah. third back. With your DMs in the air. Yeah, I probably would have had DMs on. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so it's that performance, and I listened to it again. I don't know what made me Google it like earlier this year. Um, actually, it would have been when I was doing my lockdown LPs thing, and um, and I was thinking about Glastonbury back in the day, and yeah, I found it, and it's I can't. I was looking for myself in the crowd. It's it's too hard to see, but I know I'm there, and seeing it and hearing it and remembering what an amazing night that was did make me sit at this screen here and and. and cry a little bit on my own oh. watching underworld so yeah i stand salute clap cry cheer that choice and it's over but we have to come to an end and i can't wait for us to create the the web page and your playlist because there is so don't forget much my review stuff age 16. And oh. yes. it's finally gonna find its audience it yeah it, it is it is <laughs> wait to read it i cannot wait no it's totally brilliant it's totally brilliant love i love it. that you did that anna thank you so much what a pleasure anna doble there oh what a guest absolutely brilliant geek music yeah. geek i'm proud of it so yeah. she should be and so i i think i think it's fair for me to say that the the queens of the Gig Stories podcast are not you and I, Chris, but they are now Anna Doble, Sophie Williams. Yeah, they are. They are our superiors. However, neither of them quite yet have an Excel spreadsheet of their gigs. <laughs> no, more fool them. More fool them. Ah, oh, more fool them. And yeah. what I what. What I loved was when we said that, you just went, well, it's in the shoebox because she's got the shoebox of all yeah, those tickets. Absolutely. And you were, you were just merely pointing out that you could have a spreadsheet because it's right there in your shoebox. Exactly. It's like her saying, <laughs> um, I, I, I'd, I'd love a cake and go, well, you've got the flour, you've got the eggs, you've got the sugar, yeah. you've got a little bit of milk, you've got an oven. Come What's on. Bake the cake. Yeah, don't know what she's. That's that's a really odd analogy, but anyway, it's the first that came to mind, and I'm gonna go. We're with keeping it. that in. Yeah, we're keeping, keeping it in. in. Um, also, I meant to I meant to tell you that Anna um, emailed me the um, the review that she wrote. Yes. Um, and so we're going to put that on. Well, no, it is on the website right now, as well as a link to her website. I love blog. it. Um, but also. You must bear in mind, she's, she's asked me to, to make it clear, she was 16. She was 16 <laughs> when she wrote this, all right? And I, I, yeah, but I don't I'd know write I, that now as no, a 44-year-old. Exactly. I was just thinking that because when she emailed me that, I thought, well, you don't have to justify it because it's, it's a lovely piece. I was going to say it's a lovely it's... little piece of writing. That's <laughs> No, but it's a lovely piece of writing. And, you know, for a 16-year-old to um, you write so succinctly, as a massive fan of a band, you, you would probably normally, you know, any any normal 16-year-old would write pages and pages and write really floridly. And But she kept it really concise. And, and you could tell that she'd also <laughs> read a lot of NME reviews because totally. she kept it in that style as well. So... Um, no, succinctly at 16. Lee, <laughs> I don't know, there's a Morrissey, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, no, it's brilliant. I love her for doing that, and I loved hearing, um, uh, about her, her choices 
some of the answers to to the questions um dear hunter and oh, blur what a great first gig I, I really really enjoyed that and i i hope you did so thank you anna and please go and find her uh, and and read that blog of hers and go to her episode page because for the first time um so we always do a spotify yes. playlist we always do a spotify playlist where if it's uh, a member of a band or a singer, then the playlist will generally be music from their back catalogue. And then if it's somebody like uh, Hawkins, Chris Hawkins or um, Sophie Williams, there will be um, a playlist of tunes that we mention in the pod. But Anna has done her own playlist of 10 tracks and I'm gonna. I'm, I've added to that with with tunes from the playlist as well from the the episode. Yeah, um, brilliant. So yeah, so this is the first playlist which has actually been, and I hate this word, hate it, curated. It's been curated by, like by Anna. No, everything's curated. You can create a bag of chips nowadays. It's. Uh, Did you just say create or curate? See, cu- is your problem exactly your problem. curated. As in the curator of a museum or a gallery. Yeah, so a playlist has been curated, like festival uh, lineups. That... It's taken the place of programmed. There, I, I... there we go, listener. We've we've uh, been learned today. <laughs> we've been learned, yeah. But yeah, so, you know, you'll have, you'll have a festival which has been curated by, not programmed, curated. And yeah, I'm I'm not into it at all. It, well, the, sorry. I, I'll be honest, listener. I'm I'm going to move us on, and I am going to go back to this <laughs> in private with Chris because this is fascinating. I need to find out the roots of his uh, distrust and dislike of the word curate. Poor curate over there, crying in the corner. The the roots are simply the misuse of the English language. Come That's on it. now, come on now, come on. We've all had a drink. <laughs> So anyway, thank you as always for joining us. Please go on the website, check out all the episodes. And as we say, we have videos, pictures and and playlists for every guest. Find us on social media as well, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And as we chat about the various gigs that we've both been to, but specifically that Chris has been shooting, he's uploading those pictures. So as we said at the start of the podcast, Go on now to the website to see Brett Anderson and Co. and Ren Harview and fall in love with Christopher's photographs. Don't know why I felt the need to sing that, but but there we are. I think it's it's a Saturday and we've all had a drink. So yeah, I'll leave so you all Saturday, to it. Saturday at midday. <laughs> um, I, on, one last thing is um, if you are subscribing on Apple, just go go to iTunes and click a five star, even if you don't mean it. Just click yeah, a five star. Five Give us it. a wee review because it makes it easier for other new listeners to find the podcast. Thank exactly. you. Who cares? Who cares about integrity? Eh? Just press five stars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> and we we'll see you at the next episode. And we've got some exciting news about Christmas guest. And um, oh, I was going to tell you who our next guest was, but. That's not the protocol, is it? That's not the way forward. You'll have to wait. Enjoy this one first, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye. See you soon. Bye. 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 Bye-bye. Bye, Bye. 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 B